Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. Hey, hey, and welcome to episode 40 of the Stay Grounded podcast. I'm your host, Raj, and super excited today because this episode marks number four zero, another big milestone, and I'm beyond excited and ecstatic to be uh, introducing this week's guest, Mr. Mark Cordone. So Mark is an author, a coach, uh, mostly in positive psychology, and he teaches mentors, coaches, people from all walks of life, from uh, folks who are in the social justice system to those going through um, mental health to athletes to a full range of folks. And uh, he's also the author of the book, Beyond Resilient, The Coach's Guide to Ecstatic Growth, which helps coaches um, just grow their own practices and just become awesome. And I'm just so excited about Mark today because Mark is one of those individuals who just exudes passion and energy and authentic storytelling. And I felt like I was just gripping to the side of my chair the entire episode, just learning from him. And I was so passionately curious just because he had so much to share and so much knowledge and wisdom. Um, And uh, I walked away with so many insights around happiness, growth, suffering, um, relationships, purpose. I mean, you name it, just uh, we were on all cylinders and I'm just so excited for this episode to be episode 40 uh, for all of you. So I hope you guys take as much out of it as I did. But before we get started, if you haven't already, subscribe to the Stay Grounded podcast so you can be the first to learn and hear about these amazing insights from incredible people from all walks of life. Um, give us a review, give us some love, send me an email at chiefbrewer at javapress.com. Javapress has an E at the end. Um, and yeah, just let me know how you guys like this. Be and get involved. Uh, this is uh, a super exciting episode and um, I can't wait to hear you guys love it. So uh, also towards the end of the episode, Mark has uh, graciously actually given us a free copy of his book. All you have to do is email him and he gives us his contact information at the end. So um, feel free to get in touch with him and, 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 and ask him any questions you guys got. And, but all in all, just enjoy the episode. And I hope you guys are enjoying um, today and uh, just everything that's going to come out of this incredible, um, this incredible listening. So without further ado, it is my incredible pleasure to introduce Mr. Mark Cordone. Yo, yo, yo! Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Stay Grounded Podcast. I'm your host, Raj, and who do I have here? Who I'm do we have here? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> there it is. Mark. Mark Cord. It's a cord- cordone? Cordone. Cordone, just like a... Like the French uh, Cordon Bleu. I love it. I love it. This makes me really happy. Um, so obviously, we've I've already introduced Mark and, and told you guys how dear of a friend he is to me. Um, I've known Mark for a relatively little amount of time, but in the time we spent together, man, it's it's been pretty firecracker. Like like Dude, I feel like you and I just get along really, really, really well. <laughs> it was like the the minute we met, buddy. It was like we went right there. We were cracking jokes. Like nothing was off limits. We we're cracking on each other. And I mean, that's what good friends are all about, man. Like sometimes you just meet people, and, and like right off the bat, there's like no pretense. And that's what I appreciated about uh, getting to know you, man. Absolutely, brother. Well, I'm excited to get to know you even more now and ask you questions I've always been curious about and uh, our guests to learn more about you too. So we'll dive right in. Um, First question I have for you, man. um, How did you get into positive psychology? Is that something that uh, was uh, drawn to you by something from your childhood? Was that something that you kind of naturally gravitated to from college? Where did it all begin for you? Yeah, I think I think a lot of things, Raj, got me into positive psychology. I think the last straw was that um, I Let's was talk sick about of stuff. the first straw. 
Okay, let's talk about the first straw. I, I, I think we're going to start then with my parents coming to the United States then, right? And, and uh, I think at an early age, I saw them hustling. I saw them um, uh, getting their, their uh, business off the ground and um, sort of these ideas of what the American dream was and what happiness looked like um, uh, sort of were indoctrinated in me. And, and so I had this idea of, of, of what working hard looked like and, and um, what striving looked like. Um, I also was watching the things that you saw on TV, right? So after school, like, be watching the Smurfs, uh, Saved by the Bell, you know, all those, those shows. And I remember seeing this dude named Michael Jackson. And I wanted to <laughs> be Michael guy. Jackson, you know? <laughs> like, um, you know, my parents raised me to be sort of like typical Filipino-American. Like, I was playing in the violin whenever company would come over at the company make company happy I'd perform for them but like I wanted to perform like Michael Jackson because when I saw that guy like commanding the stage like I wanted to command the stage in the same way um I didn't see a lot of folks like that in the media man I didn't see a whole lot of like uh folks that looked like me uh or my dad or Filipinos like fronting up bands doing these world tours being on tv being on even in the saved by the bell true troop so um i i eventually abandoned that dream and i looked at what was working and what was working was what i saw my parents doing my parents were in medicine um and they were in a route where it was like if i work hard and i go into medicine that's really where happiness is gonna be and if i abandon mm. that uh, if i abandon other things then i'll grow up I'll grow the frick up. Yeah. And, and so um, I kind of followed that dream of them being in the medical field. And I went into neuroscience uh, and I went to Emory University in Atlanta. Um, so, you know, somewhat known for its, its pre-med. It's still somewhat close to home, enough for me to, uh, you know, extend my wings without and Facebook grow. at yeah. the time, right? And grow. Yeah. Um, I love the stuff that I was learning in neuroscience. I couldn't see myself... In, um, I couldn't see myself at all in medicine, and I still felt like I needed to grow up, dude. And then I also started to get involved in things like Asian American social justice movements, and I felt myself getting swept away with social justice movements. Um, so again, I thought that doing social justice was something that I loved. It right. was a passion project. No one ever gets paid for passion projects. You do social justice because you love it. You don't do social justice to make a paycheck. Yeah. Um, and so I, I stayed on the pre-med route. I graduated, graduated with a master's degree in public health. And I got to show you this picture to put on the podcast because it was me holding my like master's degree up. And I had these big old aviator sunglasses, right? <laughs> like my parents are there. My sister's there. They're, they're all proud as hell for me, right? They're all cheesing. And I'm sitting there with this like... Yeah, I'm on top of the world. Like my crap don't stink face. Yeah, and it it was really this this very egotistical, arrogant view of life that I have made it further than everyone else because I have some sort of piece of paper that tells me that I'm better than everybody else. Yeah. I have a master's degree. I worked in um in a hospital system for a while. I realized I wasn't happy. I didn't know what it meant. Um, I remembered that I wanted to be Michael Jackson, so I quit my job. I joined a band, man. <laughs> I joined a band. I joined a band. And, like, the thing was, was at the time, like, our band was, like, made of, like, Asian, Asian Americans. And so we looked around the South. We didn't see any other Asian American bands in the South. So we gave ourselves the moniker, Best Asian Band in the South. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Hey man, we were hey man, also no the disputed, worst. Under, undisputed. Undisputed. We were also the worst Asian band in the South because there's no competition. We mon monopolized the South. We were the J.P. Morgan of the South when it came to Asian American bands. Um, next thing you know, Raj, is that we were getting invited to play in um, California, New York, D.C., and we had this mini tour going on. And we, we very quickly stopped playing covers and we started singing uh, things that we thought were important to us. And at the time, I didn't realize, like, looking back and connecting the dots, what I'm looking, what I'm realizing is that I was balancing ideas of Filipino values and American values. Yeah. How do I stick out and be a leader 
without having to apologize to the collective. Um, uh, and, and so I was doing something that was fun, I guess, on a daily basis, but I was completely unfulfilled. Yeah. Like I was missing my family. It, this wasn't working. And so I remember it came to a head because I wrote this song called What Went Wrong. And the song was like, here's this dude, like his parents did everything they could for him. Um, they got him to a point where I could go to college and get a master's degree. I screwed that up. Now, here I am. I, I go and join a band. Um, we're at the point of like we were winning Battle of the Bands. We were doing all these things that were ostensibly uh, successful. I'm still unhappy. And then when I go home and I'm like this long haired kid that's just living on people's couches, when I say, say hi to my family again, and um, the only thing I can think is in the back of their mind is like, what went wrong with Mark, right? And like, how the hell will I ever be able to reconcile those two things? Um, what ended up happening was that I still wanted to be Michael Jackson, but it wasn't from the singing standpoint. It was the standpoint, Raj, that I wanted to empower as many people as I could while having as much fun as I could. Mm. That was the very beginning of what positive psychology felt like for me. Um, also, at the same time, I wanted to be a kick, kick-ass dad. Yeah. Um, next thing I know was I was gravitating towards Emory University again. And it turns out that the very um, person that pulled me in and taught me social justice was leaving. Mm. And I was like, this really is the place that I need to be right now. This is what empowering people and having as much fun as possible looks like. Um, we can do social justice movements and we can have a whole hell of a lot of fun doing it. Um, and so I came back and I was doing social justice work. I was doing identity development work. Um, I was doing retreats, uh, scoring some cool grants, uh, a great, great rapport with students. I was learning so much from students. Right. Um, and also at the same time, I was thinking about it. And again, I was an angry Asian. <laughs> like I was, when it came to social justice, my weak minded view of social justice was, um, I need to be right. You need to be wrong. If somebody has hurt me, then I need to hurt them back. If someone's going to fight me, then I'm going to swing back. I will show the enemy like that they are wrong. Can I ask and, you something? Yeah. On that? I've yeah. seen this, at least from your story, it seems like that's a common trend, this us versus them mentality. Yeah. How did you... How did you... Because I don't feel that from you now. Like I feel a very no. like inclusive, warm almost yeah. like like inviting presence. How did you flip that? Was there a point or an experience that made that flip for you? Or was that something that you just kind of naturally grew into after you got tired of being angry? Uh, th that's, uh, that's really the end of it, man. Yeah, I, I think growing up, it was, I really, I mean, you know, I think uh, throughout our lives, but especially when you're younger, you look at all the other folks around you and you realize that they are what you are not, yeah. you know? So like, I remember desperately wanting to not be Filipino and just be like everybody else. Yeah. I remember being like, damn, like no one's ever going to want to go on a date with this guy. Yeah. No, not true. Not true. <laughs> <laughs> not true. <laughs> but like when I remember getting into this and saying, I'm so angry. I'm thinking about battling folks. If I stay in social justice, I'm going to burn out. I'm yeah. going to burn out. And a student came into my, my classroom and said, I just took the best class I ever took. And I was like, teach me, teach me. What is it like movement work 101? What is it like? So, uh, you know, uh, feminist, you know, feminism, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, no, happiness course. Hmm. And I was like, are you serious, man? I was like, get out of my office, dude. <laughs> like, seriously, like, we have so many things that we need to do. And you're talking about the privilege of being happy right now. Are you serious, man? Wow. And like, I went and I went and I looked into the class because I was like, you know what? I'm being ignorant right now. Like, let me see what he's talking about. And in many ways, he talked about the fact that like, sometimes we just go through growing pains in life but we can separate growing pains and suffering. We don't have to suffer. And when you stop suffering, you're free. Also, when you start talk, thinking about um, 
when you stop thinking about the us versus them mentality and you think about the we mentality, you're practicing some pretty radical compassion. So when people who used to be your enemy, you're made it, making a hostile, uh, a hostile place, now an inviting place to your enemy and your, or formerly your enemy, you are really beginning to um, realize that so much of, of these wars that we had with people or uh, the crap that we thought about it are an illusion. And so happiness really wasn't something that I saw as like a shits and giggles type of happiness, Raj. Yeah. I saw it as this sort of um, way of, you know, we've talked about this before, living fulfilled. There's one way of looking at happiness that I always thought was goal attainment. And our brains are wired for goal attainment. Right. That's why when we attain a goal, it feels good. Yeah. But there's an also, we're also wired in a way for, you know, we never used to run solo when we were avoiding dinosaurs or whatever used to chase us, right? We were always rolling in packs. Yeah. And when we were a tribe, everyone had a role in that tribe to survive. Yeah. And that's why nowadays when we talk about purpose and people are like, that's bull crap and all this stuff. Well, back in the day, it was hereditary to be born and figure out your purpose to help the tribe survive. And so suddenly happiness and neuroscience became merged. Yeah. And a way of practicing social justice where it was us versus them is more along the, became more along the lines of how can I truly step into the shoes of another human being and appreciate what it is that they are saying? That's been the hardest thing ever. Um, the second hardest thing has been how can I forgive myself and be self-compassionate for not being freaking perfect? Because that's an illusion as well. So I, that was the point where it really switched. I want to acknowledge the suffering versus growing pains conversation because yeah. that's always been, I mean, I, I've always believed that if you can normalize your relationship with fear and struggle, um, you almost step away from the, the pain of fear and struggle or the, like, almost like that biting kind of itch that pulls you away from those concepts. Um, how do you feel like, uh, separating growing pains and suffering ties back into purpose or your role in the tribe? Mm. Yeah. Well, um, I, I think, I think a couple things. Um, we, we are built to grow. Yeah. We are not built to stay the same. We are built to evolve. And, and in many ways, the same part of the, we, everybody talks about it nowadays, the part of the brain that induces fear. And I'm not talking about fear when a dog is coming at you and it's going to bite you. That's a real fear. But I'm talking about the fear where we stay up at night worrying about things that are not real. Yeah. Right. We're worried about someone, something someone might say to us or something that might happen. And then that prevents us from taking action. And then we are completely paralyzed and we go into this uh, this horrible loop. You know, it's the same thing as like when you're going down a river and, you know, that part of the river where it goes in a circle yeah. and you just have to wait or paddle out. Right. Yep. It's it's just like that in life. You can be going right down that and then you get stuck in the doldrum. So we are meant to grow. Now, when it comes to when it comes to suffering and pain, pain is associated um, pain is associated with growth, right? When we lift weights, the next day, the cells are torn, right? Um, when, when we, as an entrepreneur, step out of our comfort zone, we feel the growing pain in the sense of emotionally, we go into a fear zone. Yeah. But then we, we have to constantly practice it to change our mindset. So from the standpoint of, of growing um, in a tribe, for the tribe to move forward, the individuals in the tribe needed to move forward. Um, and when somebody goes and innovates by taking a risk, then the tribe gets more resilient. It yeah. becomes more impervious and it moves forward. Um, so I, I think that there's a hand-in-hand -hand piece. And a lot of people are like, you know, we can, we can find the neuroscience of why people have happiness indicators that are outputs, but 
then they think everything else is woo-woo when it comes to happiness. Yeah. Um, I would contend with that and go and say there's, there's still part of parts of the brain, especially the neocortex, the prefrontal cortex, um, that have to do with sort of sense of belonging and stuff like that. And nowadays, um, we have all the technology for sense of belonging, but if we're not truly connecting and we're wanting to grow by ourselves, if you and I only want to work on, um, you, you know, Java press, and I only want to work on greater good coaching, neither of us will survive because that's still the way that humans operate. Let me ask you this. There's, I yeah. feel like there are certain things that like you go through on your own, yeah. right? Like there is, there, there are sort of like almost like a hero's journey. Like there are certain things yeah. that you go through in your life that are meant for you to tackle alone. How does that tie into this concept of helping others and and giving back and how do you balance the two because i feel like some of my biggest growth moments and challenges have come by me moving away from home by yeah. me trying to go in you know like uh have you seen 300 you know in yeah, 300 they send you yeah. know the kids out into the wilderness and they got to go like survive the wilderness and come back i feel like yeah. there's certain growth that has to happen solo so how do you balance the two because I think both are incredibly important, but it's, it's, it's a tough line to see. Such a good question, man. Um, so in the middle of alone, if, uh, of being alone, there's other, there's other, um, um, words there. The two words that I want to separate is you can be alone and lonely, or you can be alone and in solitude, right? Mm. The person who's alone and in solitude understands that as I climb this mountain, I've made it to a certain point and the people climbing with me can only make it so far. And I have to make a decision on whether to let go of their hand, try to pull them up or do the rest of this on behalf of the tribe mm. and go to the top of the mountain and bring back what was up there down to them. Sometimes, and I feel like that's oftentimes the, the hero's journey. Yeah. The idea of the idea of being alone and lonely is the idea that, oh my gosh, if I leave my tribe, I won't survive anymore. And the thing is, nowadays we can be lonely and surrounded by people. For anyone who's ever been to a networking event, yeah, like, crap, like one of these things is not like the other and it's me, you know, yeah. that's what being surrounded and lonely sometimes feels like um, as entrepreneurs, as you know, people making it through the world, we have to push through that, you know, also at the same time, there's, there's folks like um, you're talking about um, Joseph Campbell's hero's journey. There are also folks like Carl Jung who looked at the idea of these journeys that we take. And at the end of his life said, there are times or I dealt with two demons my entire life. Like this is a guy who wrote about happiness at the yeah. end of his life. Like there's demons that I've got. There's two of them. One of those demons was a creative genius. And in order for me to unlock that creative genius, I needed to become alone. I needed to go into my lab. I needed to think through things. And sometimes people said that I'm crazy as shit. Yeah. And it made me feel alone. And when I felt alone, the other demon would go and say, surround yourself with people. And I would be surrounded by the coolest, richest, smartest people. And I'm interacting with them and I'm connecting with them. Yet the thing that was unconnected was my creative genius. So here I am on a daily basis interacting with people. But when I listen to that demon, the other part was shut off through my creative energy my solitude was shut off. So I think that, um, I, I think that those are two things that we think about, you know, sometimes people call it the, the, the traveling between your head and your heart, right? That, mm -hmm. that, that's like, like the loneliest journey you'll ever take. But there's a third dimension that we forget about. Um, and we call that intuition. Mm -hmm. Intuition is the part we cannot talk about. And that's where the head, the heart and the gut come together, bro. Um, so I feel like it is, it, it, loneliness is probably, and, and aloneness and solitude is probably the number one thing that all of us humans experience. And I, I would say it prevents us oftentimes um, from taking those risks because we'll cut us off. Yeah. How do you reframe loneliness? 
Um, because what's, I, I, I agree and, I, and I'm with you. And I actually, I've, I've, we, I think we've all felt that where you're somewhere you feel alone or you're in a relationship and you've never felt lonelier or, or like there's always some way where you just feel disconnected. How do you reframe disconnection and turn it into something like into something you can actually positively use in your life to experience the growth and fulfillment and, and, and path to happiness that we know exists at the end of it? Yeah, well, um, so I'm straight up saying this as as someone that studies positive psychology. The shits and giggles aren't a part of it. It's not every single day. And yeah. we're going to wake up and we're totally disconnected, right? Um, and, and that's why a lot of people right now, I think, are talking about authenticity and masking. Um, and sometimes I'll put on a mask for work. Um, every three days, you see me go on a Facebook Live and say, what is up? Right? And it, it, it's very much like a pro wrestler. And, and I'll feel very lonely, you know? Um, I think one of the ways to reframe it is first by feeling the feels, bro, is by by first allowing your, yourself to express it, understand it and say, here I am. I'm pretty lonely. I'm, I'm, I'm but then there's judgment. Yep. And that is again, that's if, if we were completely devoid of judgment, we're not human anymore. Mm. We're gods now. Part of the human experience is the judgment. Mm. Part of the human experience is um, judging and then forgiving. Mm. Judging and then forgiving. So then uh, you're, you're completely right. So the first thing I wanted to say was the way we reframe is understanding the ego. But no, feel the feels. Understand that this is a human experience you're going through. But I think the other thing is understanding that technically speaking, 99.9% .9 of us are pretty much the same. There's only a couple genetic differences um, that make us different, you know? And, and so given the fact there's an overwhelming amount of us that, or overwhelming amount of being human that is universal, um, there's certain something some, sometimes calming about that, right? Mm -hmm. um, the other thing, the other thing is, I think that it's, being around people who uh, completely support us, no matter what, whether it was Raj when he was the tennis guy, mm -hmm. or wh whether it was Raj who was leaving the engineering world, or whether it's, it's, it's now successful Raj, or if it's Raj that loses all his money tomorrow because of some bet he made with Mark, you know, like <laughs> they would support you undying you know without fail you know and that's one of the things that happens is like as we evolve as we grow as we go through these you know as we go through these um growth phases we come back and we're not the same we live and die multiple times in this meat this meat suit we wear yeah and oftentimes when we come back someone will say raj sold the freak out man mark's not the same he's not teaching anymore um he's not doing this stuff and we, again, we weren't meant to be creatures of repetition and repetition and repetition. That's the surefire way to go to your deathbed with regrets, man. How do you, that is, that is so profound. I, and I love that because you're right. I mean, the fear of judgment comes from the fear of people not accepting you as you change. Right. So you judge other people who change or you judge other people that want to make a positive change in their life because you don't feel like you're going to get the same level of acceptance. Um, yeah. How do you reframe that? That is, <laughs> that is, I think, the magic bullet. Like yeah. if you can turn because like, I mean, I, 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 I subconsciously like, or unconsciously experience this. So it's not like I'm but like when I see other people, like even people in my peer group, like who are like, hey, this goal I hit wasn't enough. I want to go do this. And I'm yeah. like, really, dude? Like, yeah, yeah. you know, like, but like, it's not even so, like, I'm, I try to be as positive as I can, but it happens. So like, yeah. how do you turn yourself into someone who's like consistently never surprised by change so that you can start embracing change in your own life? Oh, dog. I, well, number one is I feel like surprise is the spice of life. Yeah. Why would you want to live a life without surprise? Right. Um, I think, that is the magic bullet when it comes to certain things, you know, and all we can do when it comes to magic bullets is know what our locus of control is 
or what our locus, yeah, what our locus of control is. And when it comes to our locus of control, we can't control other people at all. You know, it, it, and it is, it is something that like, when we're part of, of, of groups and, and, and peer groups, what happens is that people begin to grow um, at ecstatic levels, accelerated levels. And, and, and then part of you, the judgment part, the ego part will say, now he's just getting greedy. Now she's just getting, now she's just showboating, you know, yeah. like seriously another million. You're just showboating now, you yeah. know, but also at the same time, Oh, I'm trying to think of the, uh, of the right, uh, Camus. I believe, no, not Camus. I'll, I'll remember the name, but there was a, there was another psychologist who went and wrote, they will all love you until you sprout wings and try to fly. And when you try to fly, they'll try to clip your wings. And so in many ways, um, there was a, there was kind of a human element there of just like, Everything's all good and copacetic when the status quo is everybody walking on the ground. But when somebody shows us that there is now a new way to experience life and they sprout wings and start flying, they're like, hey, everybody, like, check this out. Like, we can actually fly. The people who can't fly or don't believe that they can fly want to cut the wings rather than evolve as a species because the ego is getting involved. So in many ways, the locus of control is making sure that you're not the person that clips anyone's wings. You know what? I think you said something really powerful. They don't believe they can fly. Yeah. Because I think if you believe you can fly, you're always going to try flying. Mm -hmm. And when you try flying, it might not happen immediately, but it'll happen eventually. And once it yeah. does happen, you start to fly at heights that you didn't think you could before, which just yeah. creates that locus of control to expand even more. Yeah. So, you know, I thought before I thought the magic bullet was really solving um, judgment, but I think it really is just building belief. Um, how do you build belief in your own life? And, 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 and how do you continue fostering and nurturing that spirit uh, so that you can continue moving forward through life as we as you evolve and change and grow? Yeah, that's a that's a great freaking question. Well, I I think the thing is there's a couple things in terms of building belief. Um, owning the fact that along the way I'm going to fail multiple times, and I'm going to make a fool out of myself. The more the more I push myself, the more it I'm going to do wacky things. You know, I for example I tried to join a roller derby team at the age of 36, right? Like I, I look like a deer on ice, you know, I was floundering <laughs> around and then um, you keep doing it, you know? And what I learned from that is regardless of failure, um, you always can build in a growth feedback mechanism to say, what did I learn from today? And mm. how can I implement this by 1% tomorrow? You know, Raj, when I, when I first started my coaching business out, I had a Rolodex full of 14 years of contacts and immediately thought that my office, my, my office times would be full. No, there's a transition there. That was yeah. ego, right? Um, and in terms of rebuilding my belief, I started small and I'm talking about ridiculously small before I got a coach. I remember my first coaching package was 75 bucks for nine sessions. That's like inhuman. Yeah, no, one, <laughs> no one should do that, you know? Yeah. Um, but also at the same time, like you follow through on your, you follow through on what you agreed to. But the next time around, it was not 75. The next time it was not 750. The next time it wasn't a thousand. The next time it wasn't this. And you build your way up. And then you, you start to believe, even when you're failing, that, yeah, this call wasn't meant to be. So instead of being graspy and desperate about life, you just know it's going to happen regardless of whether something is seen as a failure or not. I think also having um, a group of friends, you know, as much as we joke around, like knowing that there's somebody like Raj that I can call and, and be like, yo, dude, like I'm getting a lot of heat from people for scaling up or, or whatever, yeah. you know, knowing that you can be like, let's have a virtual cup of coffee over it, yeah. um, you know, or, or, or getting a little bit of, of heat for, you know, your positive psychologist and the name of your program is Make Money Coaching, right? And knowing, having the self-love and the, and the self-appreciation to know that 
um, yeah, that's where coaches need to start. They need to make money coaching or, or else it's the end of the road yeah. at one point, right? So I think all of those things, building belief, um, having the, um, you know, having a feedback loop of where you know you're going to fail, um, uh, you know, telling your gremlins to STFU, um, you know, continuing to work in a zone where you're challenged, but not so challenged that you're not breaking yourself, like it being in a consistent pocket of pushing yourself, yeah. um, that getting the extra stride in the extra second in that's the same thing as what you do in business or what you're doing with your life or your relationships. So and it's almost like, you know, going back to the suffering versus growing pains thing, it's becoming yeah. really comfortable with the growing pains. And, yeah. and, and, you know, I've always believed that action uh, builds belief. So yeah. like, even with you, when you said you started off at 75 bucks, yeah, you'll never do that again. But that yeah. when, when you brought hell, like one hell of a set of results for that person, it yeah. then grew into the next thing. And the more you took action, because so many people, including myself, when I first started, like, I mean, like, or I know a lot of like family friends and friends around me that are always like, oh, I've got this great idea. Or like, I've got this big thing, but taking that, like, they're always thinking about how grand it is or how yeah. everyone around them has this grand, like, <laughs> like, Oh, I, I don't, I shouldn't even start because look at how this person's come this far. Yeah. Like I should, I should never do that. But what I love about what you just said was just reconfirming that like taking small steps allows you to take really big ones because your steps just get bigger and bigger and bigger. And it, it, it's it's wild. It's wild how it happens, man. Um, and uh, I, I believe the I believe the term is kaizen, right? Because you're adding one percent a day. But then the opposite of kaizen uh, is called via negativa, right? Hmm. So what are the things that are that aren't serving us that we're still doing, and how can we get rid of those things one percent a day? So what are who are the external voices that we can just we don't have to call them and listen to that bullshit anymore. Yeah. And lower, you know, turning the vol volume down on that and just doing what you know is in self-concordance. When you go up by 1% and then you get rid by 1%, you go up by 1%, get rid by 1%. These steps, even at the end of 30 days, is this wide gap that you can that yep. you can do. And even if you don't reach the goal every single day, like three small goals, three via negativas, freaking that's 90, that's 180 things at the end of a month. That's a lot of growth. Yeah. And, um, and so I think that there's things that, uh, just to throw this out, I do want to put out there that growth does have pain, but it also has an, ex uh, an ecstasy part of it. Oh and my God. Right. Yes. yes. And so like some of the like, you know, we could probably talk right now, Raj, about like what was the best day of your life? You know, and the listeners, what was the best day of your life? It could be like a really bad day. Right. Like yeah. I got arrested and blah, 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 blah. Or it could be like I went on a honeymoon and that was the best day. Like everything came together and you can still learn like 90 things about yourself. But the thing about those best days is that we are so trained now to go to the next thing. Okay, I achieved the goal next. Next big dream that I check. That we don't savor those moments. We don't savor, um, the, even if they're micro moments where you're by yourself in the morning and you have time to just think about how appreciative you are about life. Those micro moments stack and forget about it. You're living you're living a dream life, but we often get pulled back into the illusion if we don't savor those moments. So there is an ecstatic part of growth that we forget about too. I have so many questions about that, but uh, <laughs> like, but to, to kind of come back to that moment though, like how do you, how do you train yourself to savor? Oh, that's a good, that's a good one, man. Um, I, I think a couple things, I think life and well, life is well designed for you to savor it. Right. So, for example, right now, you and I could be thinking about like what it is that we could be doing next, the meetings that we have to do, the score of the World Cup games, um, all the stuff that's going on. But I personally feel like being in the moment with Raj right now, just being mindful that there will be no other time in history, Raj, where you and I are creating like we're creating right now. 
We can try again, but we're never going to create like we created this today. Yeah. And know that this is a quintessentially, this is quintessentially a moment that we will never experience today. That is savoring, man. That is savoring. Yeah. Um, um, uh, you know, it's, it does start with mindfulness. It does start with appreciation. Um, but it's, it also starts with, um, or then it starts moving to, man, there was a, there were people that built the computers and the microphones and the earphones and the paint on the walls and this fake background. There were thousands of people who came into creating this moment for you and I, this is a, big freaking deal. And like, we can not only translate that from the amount of people who put in the work, but the amount of people who put in the work to researching computers. Steve Jobs is a part of this because I got my MacBook on here. You know what I'm talking about? Um, uh, Thomas Edison, I've got light bulb. Like it goes, we're standing on those shoulders. That is, that is pretty magnificent, man. Dude, that is, uh, I love how your appreciation and gratitude compounds. Like, it's almost like, like you've, you've, you've like practiced this so much, like just a practice of savoring the moment and being in the moment that you can see how one thing leads to another and it leads to another. It's like this like domino effect of happiness that like, trickles <laughs> everywhere. And it's, and it's incredible. And I want to go back to the growth and ecstasy point because yeah. I've always felt like, like, the reason I'm so addicted to going after things that scare me, whether it's goals that scare me or things that scare me, like I've always been pushing myself is because on the other side of that is this really green grass. That's like, like I still remember when I made my first cold call ever, like, and I was scared to, to like, I was scared for my life. But at the end of that cold call, like the guy told me to go away, but it was so exciting. <laughs> like, yeah. I heard a big fat no, but it was like, oh my God, that was like, I was shaking afterwards because I just yeah. felt so excited and so like, like exhilarated. Like it was like yeah. adrenaline just pumping through my veins. And so when you said ecstasy, like it was like this, like this, like it's hard to explain, but yeah. when you do it, the more you do it, the more you get addicted to doing it better and doing yeah. it harder. And, and you know what, Raj? I think that's the perfect example. Um, on paper, you, you got a big goose egg from that sale, right? Yeah. You got a goose egg. But like, so on paper, that's, it's, it's, it's painful. But you weren't really in pain. Like you were celebrating that. And so it meant that you were not in suffering. You were not suffering at all. That was a growing pain. It wasn't like, a wound, it like pain is an illusion, y'all. Yeah. And like when we understand that pain is just a natural way for us to understand that um, uh, we're going to grow from this, if we build in a mechanism that gives us feedback on, okay, what caused me pain? Well, you know, the goose egg, I was afraid. Did I suffer? No, which means I'm going to push myself back into the pain again. Um, that's why mm. runners run. They put themselves in pain. You know, they got to put tape over the nipples, man. <laughs> you, know, you, know that, you know that there's a type of pain going on there, right? So, like, it, it's, it's not a it's, – it's a concept that, that comes naturally to us as humans. But then when we take it out of different domains, it's almost like it's unnatural. And so you've ex you proved perfectly that we experience this all the time, the, the difference between pain and suffering – and how pain becomes ecstasy and ecstasy fuels growth. Um, and, and we still fall into our, our own egos and stuff like it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, but you know, when you go to bed and you wake up in the morning, what are those mic micro patterns of, of, of uh, gratefulness and happiness that, that we're practicing? And that's why I've loved connecting with you, man, is, is uh, when you can build those into your life and ritualize those, Forget it. Forget it. There's, there's no wrong way to live life when you're doing it that mindfully. There is no wrong way to live life. And I, yeah. God, dude, this, you're such a freaking just badass. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I don't have another word to describe you right now because like you just, I can feel it. And, and, and just in the way you present it and, and the way you, just the way you, you dance with life, it's inspiring to me.
it, yeah, thank you, man. Yeah, it, it, it is. Yeah. It is. And how did you like? I, I gotta know. Like, did you ever have a point in your life, like after you realized that, after you made the distinction between suffering, growth, and and just when you realized what happiness truly was, did you ever have a moment where you were getting pulled back into your? Yeah, life? Every, yeah, man. Every day. <laughs> All right. Fair enough for everybody every listening. Day. <laughs> I wanted to say, and I, and I had a feeling you were going to say that because <laughs> everybody listening, um, know that that's part of the process. Um, yep. you're not going to change overnight, uh, nor do you want to, because then it wouldn't be fun. Um, no. And, and in many ways, like the, the hero's journey was not a linear journey. The hero's journey was very circuitous and it was strange and um, people try to map it out and it looks like a, a circle, right? But then if you turn it on its axis, it's actually a spiral moving mm -hmm. forward. So it feels like we keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again. So it feels like I'm living my life and it's like Groundhog Day, right? And I'm like, you know what? Like, I'm still a positive psychology dude. No, I'm still pissed off to do my golden mic today. Yeah. <laughs> What's up? It's a golden mic. You know what I mean? But like also at the same time, there's something about knowing and tr just straight up trusting the process. Bro, I'm the biggest introvert and I've, I've read so many books on the topic. And at the end of the day, positive psychology can explain so much. The rest of it is you just got to go out there and live your fucking life. Mm. And you got to go with the ups and the downs and the all arounds of everything, man. Um, it, you know, and, and one of the things is if you stay in your tiny little safe circle, you're missing out on a whole lot. If you stay in that circle um, and that's just a tiny bundle of nerves or a bundle of brain cells that are telling you to stay in that circle, the rest of this expansive brain isn't being used. And so like, we're missing out on so much, man. So no, I fall in it all the time, bro. All the time I fall in it. Um, but you know, that's just my ego talking when I'm like positive psychology, this positive psychology, positive psychology can't explain my life, man. It can't predict every single thing, man. So I love what it's provided for me. I love what it's given me to be able to have a platform. But honestly, I have to live my life as a coach who coaches other coaches and who coach athletes, you know? So like, I have to live that life. I have to get my foot out of bed in the morning. And when I don't want to get out of bed, I have to ask myself, what is getting me out of bed today? And when it is, my son, my family, the fact that I'm doing what I love, that gets me out of bed every single day. And rock star, dude. Yeah, you can't write that in books, man. No, you can only live it. And yeah. Mark, my friend, you are living it as well as uh, anybody I know. Um, man, I just wanted to, to thank you so much for, for being here and sharing everything you've shared. Um, yeah, man. I hope everybody's enjoyed this and, and learned as much as I did on this, on this call. Um, Mark, if people wanted to get in touch with you, find out more about what you're doing, how do, how do they do that? Where, 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 where do we get to experience some of these golden mics? Like, like all this, all this stuff you're just dropping out there. Like what's going on, man? Fill us in. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, you can find me on Facebook. Just, just, uh, type in M C O R D O N. Um, Raj's golden mic is on, on, yeah. on there. You gotta find that thing. He, he dropped the golden mic. Man. <laughs> um, also at, the, also, at the same time, I got a book coming out January 1st. It's going to be in stands. It's called Beyond Resilient, nice. a Coach's Guide to Ecstatic Growth. Um, so it, it, it touches on a, a few of the points that we talked about today. Um, but if you're into like theory meets Star Wars and stuff like that, like I take it all, put it together. Um, and I would love to give it to your listeners for free. If that's oh, cool. wow. Perfect. Yeah. Yes. My yeah. listeners so, love free stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, so if you if you're listening, just uh, email me Mark, M-A-R-C at Mark, M-A-R-C-C-O-R-D-O-N, Cordon, like Cordon Blue, Mark at MarkCordon.com. Uh, just mention that you, you heard me on the show. Um, uh, tell me what the favorite part was, uh, and uh, I will gladly send you a copy uh, of, of the book. Perfect. Well, uh, guys, I hope you guys take mark up on that offer. Cause I know I will be, um, <laughs> now Mark, I've got one last question for you. Um, it's a question that 
comes across. Um, yeah, I know you're laughing because the golden mic. Um, <laughs> don't don't break that golden mic over there, dude. <laughs> break that golden mic over there. Um, but, uh, um, no, we, I have one last question that uh, I am privileged to ask all of our amazing guests. And that is, in the midst of everything you've gone through, um, from where you've been to where you are, uh, how do you remember to stay grounded every day? Keep a book by my bed. Uh, and so uh, the first part of the day, no matter how wacky everybody thinks that I am, and actually it's this book, bro. Um, so I had this with me ever since I started the business. And um, uh, the first thing that I write is uh, thanking God um, for being in the or having the ability to do what I'm doing right now and thanking God for the people that I have in my life and being very specific about that, writing that out. Um, um, so that's where, where I am. Uh, and, and then I think uh, for a small amount of time, I indulge. Um, thank you for allowing me to, yeah, I, I, I've, I'm going to get my, my pops and I max, uh, matching Submariners. You know, so some Mariner Rolex watches. Um, and so I imagine a little bit, what is that going to look like? Um, what is, uh, you know, what color are the bands going to be? Those sort of things. I think about the dial and the bezel. Um, you know, I, I, I think about uh, that for a little bit. And then the next thing I do is, what am I going to do today to come half a percent closer to that? Mm. Um, and I do that in... Um, I, you know, I do that before I do everything else. Um, and then I choose the one thing that I'm going to do for myself and the one thing I'm going to do for my business. It's a ritual. It makes me happy. Um, I get things done. And it's my way of before all the wildness and the podcasts and the golden mics happen. It's my way of being by myself. Uh, and um I guess you would say staying grounded. Um, and so that's of utmost importance. And I don't leave the room until that's done. Unless there's a huge emergency, but that's, that's really the way that it's been. That's really the way that it's been. And it's the way that it's going to go until I run out of pages. <laughs> or until you have two Submariners on your hands. <laughs> Man, that is beautiful. Um, I, I love the, you said imagination, I call it visualization, two words yeah. in the same, in the same crane box. And, um, God, you're an amazing human being and uh, I'm grateful to know you. Uh, but everybody, that is a wrap for this episode of the Stay Grounded podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Raj. Here's your friend, Mark. And from us, stay grounded until next time. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of the Stay Grounded podcast brought to you by Java Press Coffee Company. My name is Raj, and I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to make daily happiness a priority. If you're interested in learning more about how your morning coffee can turn into a consistent source of joy in your life, visit www.javapress.com to learn how our products can help you do that and use the coupon code podcast for 10% off your purchase. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay grounded.